Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leading Indicator, a show by Public.com focused on gaining insight from the world's best macro minds. I'm your host, Kyla Scanlon, and we are here with you today to discuss the Fed's recent rate hike. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more in-depth interviews that will help you keep up with the latest investment news. Today, we are here with Joseph Wang, CIO at Monetary Macro and previously a senior trader on the open markets desk. And you know so much about the Fed, and we're going to discuss uh, the Fed's recent rate hike decision. Joseph, welcome to public. Can you hear me? Well, thanks so much for having me, Kyla. It's, yeah. I love being here. It's, and uh, yes, I can hear you. So Mike, thanks so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So the Fed announced their plans to hike rates by 25 basis points, bringing the Fed's target rate to between 5.25% to 5.5%, which is the highest level in more than 22 years. So what was your key takeaway from the meeting and the Powell press conference? What did you think happened there? Well, first off, the Fed doesn't like to surprise the markets. So this rate hike was well telegraphed. Powell basically uh, did what everyone expected him to do. Now, what I took away from this mid this uh, feeding is that going forward, it's going to be a, a lot less clear. Even though at the last meeting, the Fed penciled in two more hikes for the rest of the year, Powell seemed to be less sure uh, he's going to be more data dependent. And you can see that in market pricing as well. The market is also less sure as to what's going to happen. Now, Powell seems to emphasize a lot that you know, he, he's going to look at the employment data. He's going to look at financial conditions. He's going to look at uh, economic data to make a decision. So I think going forward, we're going to be a lot more volatile because the market is going to react strongly with every data print. Now, what I thought was interesting also was that Powell mentioned that the Fed staff is no longer forecasting a recession. So just to remind everyone, over the past few meetings, we can learn from the Fed minutes that the Fed staff has always been forecasting a recession, while Powell himself has repeatedly noted that he doesn't think that a recession is his base case. And another, a number of senior Fed people have mentioned the same. And now we see that the Fed staff is also capitulating. So all in all, I think what we're seeing is that the economy is more resilient than expected. And so that makes the path of rates going forward. Uh, also, I guess, a lot less clear, because if the economy was clearly weakening, then, then I think the market would be quite sure that inflation would be under control and we would be cutting rates soon. But that, that wasn't in the cards so far. Yeah. And the Fed paused at their last meeting. So it wasn't a surprise that they only hiked by 25 basis points. But why do you think that the Fed continued to hike rates? Like we did have this strong economic data, but what do you think they were thinking? So that's a really good question. So right now, I think in the Fed, there's a big debate as to how monetary policy works. So traditionally, you have an idea where monetary policy works through long and variable lags. Now, if you believe that to be true, then you would actually be inclined to not hike rates and maybe continue to pause because you would say that, you know, we hiked rates aggressively over the past few meetings and that full effect of that hasn't been felt in the economy yet. So we should... Uh, Take things slowly, pause a bit, and just wait to make wait to see all the work that we've done before gradually take effect. Now, I think that's part of the reason that they paused last time, and part of the reason why there are people, uh, even on the Fed FOMC today, who, who probably thought about pausing. But there is another school of thought at the Fed as well, and that is that the monetary policy doesn't act with very short lags anymore. In fact, a lot of the tightening that the Fed has already done, these people would say 
uh, has already taken effect. And so if we want to slow the economy down, we can't wait for those hikes to take effect. That's already happened. We got to keep hiking. And so because you have these two schools of thought uh, in the Fed, so sometimes, you know, you can get a compromise where we pause, but other times, you know, you would you would still hike because you have these group of people in the Fed who, who I believe include Chair Powell think that monetary policy doesn't act with as much lag as before. And just a little bit on that. Um, so historically speaking, the Fed has implemented monetary policy differently today than before. In the time of Greenspan, the Fed would actually hike rates and not tell anyone about it. So Greenspan would not have press conferences. They, there really wouldn't be very many speeches. And he'd just do something. And you'd have to look at the tea leaves, look carefully at interest rates to know if anything actually changed. Now, that's very different from how the Fed operates today, where everything is very public. You have people giving a whole bunch of speeches. You have uh, the Fed chair giving press conferences. And you also have the dot plot for forward guidance. And because there's so much more transparency, uh, monetary policy gets priced in much, much quicker. So when the Fed first hiked rates in March last year, the market had already anticipated that months in advance. So it makes sense that there would be shorter lags in monetary policy uh, today than, than before. Yeah. And there's even the whole thing where maybe rate hikes aren't as impactful as they used to be because of how people own homes. Like so many people have these three percent mortgages where they're not really impacted by interest rates the same way. Financial conditions are relatively loose. So how do you think of the rate hike tool as actually achieving what the Fed is setting out to do? Well, that's the thing. I think there was a, one of the um, journalists asked a very good question that basically suggested that we saw inflation come down a lot, but did the Fed really do that? Or is that just kind of naturally supply chains right. normalizing and so forth, right? And, you know, that's a, that's a reasonable question because think about it from the Fed's perspective. They're hiking rates and they expect, one, they expect um, interest rate sensitive industries to, to, you know, to not do well. That's slowing down the economy. And two, they expect financial conditions to tighten. And if you look at the equity markets, it doesn't look like they're, they're tightening, right? It looks like the equity markets only go up. And as you suggested, Kyla, broadly speaking, the financial conditions index ha has, has been relatively loose. At least most of them have. I think the Fed created a new one that suggests uh, maybe not so much. Now, if you look at interest rate sensitive industries, of course, that's housing. Now, last year, we saw housing take a tumble as mortgage rates went to 7%. But more recently, you can also see that housing starts stabilized and seem to be soaring higher. If you look at home builder stock, their stocks are going to the moon. And if you listen to their press conferences, they continue to expect continue to express optimism. So you would expect in a traditional cycle where mortgage rates go up now, Housing doesn't do well, so home builders lay people off. You get higher unemployment, slows the economy down. But if you look at the employment data, no, construction, construction employment continues to increase. Home builders continue to build a lot of homes. So obviously, monetary policy is not working uh, the way that we would expect it to. So from my perspective, it, it's hard to know what actually, uh, out of the interest rate toolkit, what actually, how actually that slows the economy down. It, it really just seems much more of a normalization of of uh, a lot of one supply chains, but also some of the extreme fiscal policy becoming a little bit less extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did want to ask you about fiscal policy. Um, a lot of people think that fiscal policy is the whole reason that we are able to potentially have a soft landing. 
Do you agree with that stance? Do you think that the government ended up saving us almost unintentionally? So I definitely think fiscal policy played a big role in both having a soft landing, but also I think persistent inflation. And okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step back a little bit. So fiscal policy, traditionally speaking, um, we had two parties. One party was you know I don't want to spend a lot of money, and the other party is like you know it's okay we can spend more money. Uh, that's really changed over the past few years. So over the past few years, I think both political parties have become open to the idea of just spending a lot of money. I think the difference more is that what we spend it on. I think, for example, it seems like under the Trump administration, you would get more tax cuts, uh, especially to corporations. You know, corporate tax cuts were a big thing then. So that, you know, spending money for, for um, one sector of the economy, whereas the Biden administration uh, very notably gave a lot of stimulus checks to the broader public. You know, you're spending money on another constituency. But the point is, both parties spend a lot of money now. And if you have the government continue to spend a lot of money, that's going to be very supportive of the economy. And and that actually continues, even though we have pretty... Uh, pretty good economic growth right now. So the fiscal deficit looks like it's going to, it's going to be about 6%. And that, that's really unheard of for an economy that, that's growing basically above trend, which we are today. So I think that both contributed to the soft landing, but it's also contributing to, to uh, sticky inflation. And if we think back to what happened during the 1970s and 80s, in order to get inflation under control, it wasn't just a monetary policy thing, it was a whole of government thing. So you had a fiscal retrenchment as well. So I suspect that even though that saved us from uh, a, a dark, a deep recession, that's probably going to keep inflation higher than we expect. And until we get, I think, a bit more fiscal restraint, it's hard for me to see inflation going back down towards the Fed's target. Well, it seems like markets think that this was the Federal Reserve's last rate hike. So why do you think that investors are thinking like this, especially considering all the things that you just listed? So to be clear, the investors have been thinking it's the last rate hike and rate cuts are imminent for some time now. Uh, if you look at the uh, history of pricing over the past couple of years, the Fed has always been telling the markets that we're going to hike, we're going to stay higher for longer. And the market has always been... I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to hike a little bit more and then you're going to start cutting rates. So that, that's very much in investor psychology for the past couple of years. Uh, I think the reason that the market is, is so confident in that is that's how the world worked for the past 10 years, where the Fed was always inclined to be more dovish. And again, after the most recent CPI print, this group of investors, again, feels emboldened, thinking that you know inflation is under control, Fed is going to start cutting rates uh, pretty pretty soon and they could be right but again as i noted earlier we have these big big changes in the world that are, that are happening such that the next 10 years may not look like the past 10 years one of them of course is fiscal spending which we just discussed but the other i think is also very noteworthy is demographics and that is to say mm -hmm. that our workforce population really isn't growing in the same way that it used to so for basically all of the history of the united states the population growth is very steady and Americans had big families. So again, you got a lot of immigration, you got a lot of uh, native born Americans. And so you have a workforce that continually increases. But since the 1980s, there's been a cultural shift. People have smaller families. And finally, we're seeing that manifest in the workforce. Since uh, 2016, basically, our working age population hasn't really grown. Uh, so if we want to continue to have economic growth, we're going to need more people. But if 
the labor supply is not growing in the same way that it used to, that, that suggests a structural shortage. And we're seeing that play out right now where you have uh, you know, help wanted signs everywhere and wage growth continues to be strong. And so I think that's going to continue, be structural. Uh, and if wages continue to increase because of the structural labor uh, shortage, it's hard for me to, to see inflation coming back down to the Fed's target. Mm-hmm. And Jerome Powell mentioned that in the meeting today that he was like, we need to see more labor market softness. Like it's good that real wages have increased, but they need to chill out a little bit. And I feel like that creates a lot of dissent within the workforce, right? So how do you think that the Federal Reserve is going to Absolutely. balance that part of it? Yeah. That's that's a political decision. Uh, as you know, you know, the Fed has two mandates, right? Full employment and price stability. But it doesn't really have any uh, congressional guidance as to how to balance those two mandates. So if we want to make a trade-off between inflation and employment, just what is that trade-off? That's something that uh, that's a political decision, and I suspect that's something that the Fed is, is going to have to is going to struggle with a lot in the future. Uh, right now, it, I think it's really easy because we have unemployment close to uh, record lows. But going forward, uh, let's say inflation goes down to three and a half percent. Are we willing to have some more unemployment to, to get back down to 2%? Is that, the, is, that a, is that the judgment that the Fed wants? And then that's a political decision. And uh, I think that's going to depend heavily on who, uh, who's, who's on the FOMC at that time. So the trend seems to be that the FOMC is increasingly more pro-labor. And so I think it could be a scenario in the future where we actually, rather than try to get that extra bit of inflation down, we might be willing to accept a higher inflation target. Now, there's absolutely now no indication of this, but there are whispers that that's something worth thinking about. Um, There's also some people who think that, you know, maybe we don't have to have labor. We don't have to have unemployment go up at all to get inflation under control. Uh, But that's not the chair's thinking. Uh, Chair Powell at his last press conference fondly referred to a recent paper by uh, former Chair Bernanke uh, that suggests that in order to get inflation down, you really need to have a softer labor market, which as you noted, Kyla, he emphasized again. So he, he's still in that framework. And so I think he's going to shoot for it. But when we get closer to 2% inflation, maybe two, three and a half, I think it's going to be a really, really hard discussion in the FOMC. And we might see more dissents. Yeah, and he's still very laser focused on 2%, it seems as well. And I think, so we have PCE inflation data coming out at the end of this week. And so do you think that this the Fed's 25 hike will be enough to combat inflation? Or do you see them saying, okay, we got to probably raise rates again here? It's going to depend on what PCE is. It's going to depend on non-farm payroll. It's going to depend on next PCE, next CPI. We, we're going to get a lot of data between uh, today and the next Fed meeting in September. So I think it's really too early. But I think what, what this data dependence means is it's just going to be really volatile. I think the moment we have a, a relatively soft inflation print, uh, we're going to see uh, you know tremendous easing in financial conditions as everyone uh, basically falls over themselves to try to price in uh, rate cuts and uh, We've, we saw it last time this, at the CPI, and if we get another soft data print like that, we'll see it again. Uh, in the same way, if the data comes in hotter than expected, I think we'll also see the market quickly reprice in one more rate 
hike this year, and that's that's been volatile as well. Yeah, it seems like everybody is pretty much ready for hikes to be over. But shifting to bank news, which of course banks were pretty impacted by rate hikes earlier this year. There's been a lot of important information coming from banks, uh, such as earnings in the recent PacWest deal to merge with the Bank of California. So bank earnings are one of, as you know, like one of the key insights into the economy. So is there any news from any of the banks that have caught your eye over the past few weeks? So I've been looking carefully at bank earnings calls, and I think... I think the message is pretty consistent. One is that banks are, are not making very many loans, and you can see that in the aggregate data as well. Loan growth has basically slowed to a standstill. And to be clear, that's exactly what monetary policy is trying to do. When the Fed hikes rates, it wants to slow loan growth, and it does it in two ways. When rates are higher, banks are less willing to lend because there's more credit risk. Now, the banks see that rates are going up, the economy is slowing, and they don't want to make loans to anyone who won't be able to repay them. Now, from the borrower side, it also uh, decreases their loan demand because rates are higher. They want, they want to borrow at higher rates, and we see that play out right now. Now, there's a legitimate question as to whether or not the panic we saw in March of this year, if that had a big impact on, on bank behavior. Now. The, the the data doesn't so chair powell himself says it's really hard to tease that out we have other fed governors like governor waller who says that he, he really can't see uh, much of an impact from what happened in march so if you look at the data bank lending has been slowing since the end of last year which is totally normal in that rate hiking cycle so it doesn't seem like there was any particular extra stress from what happened in, in march so that's one thing very low loan growth. The, the second thing that I found noteworthy in the banking sector was that uh, interest rate margins are getting squeezed. So when the Fed hikes rates, from a bank's perspective, you don't immediately raise the deposit rates you give to your depositors. There's a lag for, for that. And so oftentimes, a bank will have increased interest rate earnings from its assets as rate hikes proceed that and only gradually do they increase their interest expense. And so there's a window there where they have wider net interest margins. That window seems to be closing very quickly and banks widely report having to compete more for deposits. So I think that's going to impact bank profitability a bit going forward, but I don't think it, it, it has anything really stressful. It seems like they're able to handle that pretty well. <clears throat> yeah, and Jerome Powell expressed, I think, similar sentiment in the meeting. You know, he was asked a question about bank stability, and he seemed to be pretty okay with it. So are you sort of aligned with that, too? Like, there's really no worries of future instability around the banks? I know that's kind of a big question to ask, but do you see any concerns? So, no, I, I don't. I think the banking system is fine. And I think the Fed has a lot of tools to help make sure that the banking system uh, has enough liquidity. Uh, again, we have this new bank lending facility the Fed created. We have the discount window. We have federal home loan banks. And I think the banks, you know, they, they react to what they see in, in the market. They saw that, you know, you have to be careful about interest rate risk. And so what I heard from many earnings calls is that banks uh, doing more more hedging and doing more with their deposit base to try to make sure that they are stable. So there's this reflexivity to it where banks, after seeing what happened in March to a Silicon Valley bank, they're like, no, I don't want this to happen to me. And, and so they're, they're making a lot of effort to make sure that uh, credit quality and liquidity are, are okay. And I think, uh, 
I think from what I see, yes, I, I think everything seems fine. And this will be the last question, but you know, as we go into Jackson Hole, where the Fed has another meeting, or well, Jerome Powell's speech, what are some of the indicators that you'll be looking forward to to see, you know, how the Fed is thinking about stuff? So, I've, what I really like about the Powell Fed is that he's just so open. So he's telling you that he's going to be really data dependent. He's going to look at a wide range of data. And we kind of already know what that is, right? It's employment, it's GDP, it's uh, CPI, it's things like that. And of course, broader financial conditions. So I want to be looking at all of that. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's too much room for, for an extra surprise at Jackson Hole at the moment. It seems like everything seems to be uh, really well laid out. Uh, one extra thing that I'll note that I thought was interesting uh, is that Powell also noted that he was open to continuing quantitative tightening even as he hikes rates. So uh, you can expect that to continue next year, even if the Fed were to cut rates, which is possible if inflation uh, continues to be very benign. Yeah, I, th I thought that was an interesting comment, too, that you could do two opposite things at once. But I guess they sort of impact different parts of the economy. So it makes sense. So this is Leading Indicator, a source of insight from the world's best macro minds. Thanks for joining. Joseph, uh, where can people find you? Well, first of all, thanks so much for inviting me. And if you're interested in hearing more about me and my work, check me out at fedguide.com.